you're listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo-development, and everything in between. All right, welcome to The Bounding Box. So today I'm joined by a good friend here, Richie Carmichael. So Richie, please introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, what's your problem? My problem. Uh, good morning. Thank you, Rene. Um, firstly, thank you for inviting me. It's an honor to be a guest on your show. Um, yeah, my name is Richie, Richie Carmichael. Um, I'm a developer on the JavaScript team, and I've been here for the past four years. Hard to believe. Wow. It's been four years on the team already. Wow, man. I know. Crazy. So how long have you been at Ezra? Because you were in a different group before joining the JavaScript team. Yeah, I was in the... what called the prototype lab it was also nicknamed the benchmarks this is a group set up like many years ago and originally it was set up to uh, participate in competitive benchmarks uh, but then over time it's evolved into more like uh, pre-sales work and applied R&D so they supported like conference demos and um, gave demonstrations to visiting guests and uh, you know we worked with plenaries at the conferences um, but you know, the majority of the time was just playing. Yeah, right. You got I mean, to play with gadgets. Uh, a lot of people might have seen a lot of the apps that you've put together on the big screen at the UC plenaries, uh, at Dev Summit, and, and you tackled a lot of um, things you could do with the API before the API actually was implementing them, right? Like I think you had done the original satellite uh, 3D map, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we. We were trying to push the envelope and introduce like third-party libraries or other gadgets integrating. Another example is the gamepad. We uh, tested using the gamepad with the, the the API to you know navigate in 3D. That's awesome. The gamepad work you did was awesome because you actually did it with your own Xbox controller and everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's really yeah. We also got to play with other gadgets like uh, the Kinect using oh, the Kinect, nice. the Xbox Kinect. So. It might have seen some videos of me waving my arms like a crazy person, but <laughs> <laughs> and um, using that to like navigate in 3D. Yeah, and the gamepad is really cool for 3D, especially like underground. It can get a little tricky every now and then using trying to use a keyboard and the mouse to kind of navigate around here and there. Uh, but when you got that gamepad in your hand, it's just so natural. It's just like, oh, I'm gonna move around like I do in a video game in the 3D environment. Uh, check out some 3D underground pipes, something like that. It's awesome. It's really cool. Uh, best of all, you can justify ga hours of gaming in your spare time, too. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Richie. So out of all this cool stuff that you've worked on, and working on uh, all these really neat features in the API, what, what do you think is the most difficult problem you've had to tackle or app maybe you've had to build? Uh, the most challenging for me is working with the OGC stuff, the WMS, WMTS. Uh, the reason for that is because the specification is so complicated. Um, it links to other specifications, uh, but also these many different implementations, so many different server implementations. So we're always coming across unusual exceptions that we have to um, you know, test against, you know, see some odd behavior. Is that a, something's wrong with our API or is it some server's uh, interpretation of, of, uh, of the spec that we need to account for? And are those still all um, XML-based responses? It is, it is. So the difference is, is the new OGC API features, which we've, we have recently released the layer for. That's the OGC feature layer that we call. That is REST-based. Okay. 
that's, the, that's a little bit easier to to work with and uh, much easier get that data out right yeah more easier more modern and uh, way more cleaner and uh, either service sends a response back as geojson so which is very web friendly mm -hmm. which is neat because once you get those um ogc layers into the api you actually get all the benefit you would if you were using like a feature service because you can do all of the client side effects and filtering and querying and stuff like that yep uh, blending highlighting yep it, everything's available oh nice yeah it, it, it tastes and behaves like a regular layer <laughs> regular feature layer oh that's awesome yeah you did a lot of work on that stuff uh getting all this uh, all that work in the api and stuff that was really cool so now from going to the most challenging work you've done what's been the most fun uh, to work on it. Maybe, maybe the challenging work was the fun stuff. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely uh, not the OGC. Definitely not. I mean the, the old stuff. Um, I mean the gamepad was fun uh, to work with. That was my first project when I joined the team uh, many many years ago. Uh, but I think the time slide was also quite cool because uh, I was involved at the beginning, at the inception. Mm -hmm. So designing it, putting it together, and that was I believe the first introduction of time actually, and the the oh, 4x wow. api okay so this is when the layers became time enabled and we had a widget so the user could adjust the time and that's really cool because that works also on the imagery data set as well so it's not just feature based but uh image based and the ogc so it supports um wms supports the time as well okay oh that's nice it's really cool to be able to uh play with those time sliders and apply different effects and filtering and stuff. And you get this really nice uh, replay of something happening, some kind of events, whether it's population growth. Uh, we've got that earthquake demo as well, which is neat. Weather events uh, stuff. That's a really cool feature we've got. Yeah, and works in 2D and 3D. Now, one thing you're also working on, which I think is really cool, is um, so we've always had routing and directions in the API. Uh, but you actually implemented a, a real route layer now. So it's like its own feature of the API beyond just like I get a response back from server and do something with it, right? That's correct. So the, the route layer is a, a standalone layer. It's a, it's a smart layer that knows how to solve itself. So you give it some stops like a start and the end and you say solve yourself and it'll generate the best route. Um, so you don't need to have a widget you can just tell the layer to solve itself and it will draw the best route. And uh, if I can give a leak or not, can I? Yeah, sure. Feel free. Yeah, so we're working on interactive interactivity. So with a layer in your map, you'll be able to enable interactive behaviors. You can grab a stop like a beginning and drag it around. And we can click on a, a midpoint of a route and move it and it'll automatically refresh to show the new route. Oh, that is really cool because that, that's super useful for, I mean, just think about, you know, delivery folks, right? They they have, a, and it's not just like, you no, know, maybe DoorDash said delivery. I mean, like people that have like routes they have to work on, they could put their route for the day in there, but things always happen, right? Maybe mm -hmm. they've uh, got to get rerouted uh, in the middle of their regular shift or something so they can, Either they can or someone else can easily kind of adjust that route for them while they're on the road and they just get updated and they can automatically navigate to where they need to go, right? Exactly. Or, or they may um, enter an address for one of the stops, but they may want to adjust on the screens for like 
but like the Uber example, right? You enter an address, but you may want to move the pin pin slightly to where you want to be picked up. Oh, nice. That's very. That's, I didn't think about that. That's a really cool feature. Cause that that's happened to me plenty of times. I uh, my Uber will uh, try to pick me up. It says it's across the street, but realistically, mm-hmm. there's like a barrier in the way. I can't get across the street, but the maps don't know that, so mm-hmm. it, it makes things very tricky every now and then to navigate. And those are weird things we navigate too, because you could be on your way somewhere, but maybe there's construction that's not part of the map just yet, it hasn't reached that level, so you've got to reroute around there, figure another way. So, <laughs> well, another common one for actually dragging the midpoint is you have a route, and someone says you must drive by this location. It's an awesome view, or is a something getting constructed so you may want to drag the route to pass by a certain location oh nice that's cool i think about that like you want to do a little sightseeing or something like that mm-hmm. too exactly <laughs> can i uh apply effects and stuff like that to the route layer too does it have that capability you can, you can. yeah effects um highlighting works um you can actually use a hit point right now as well the hit point will return you a stop or we're actually using these new abstract objects because uh, to give you more information, so whether it's a stop or the actual direction component, we call them direction lines. That'll be returned when you do a hit test. Ah, oh, that's very cool. I see a really cool applications though. Like as you're uh, maybe you're tracking yourself along the route and you're doing just random uh, buffer analysis of what's nearby you or something like that. Uh, that's cool. And automatically you can do that with the route too, where they generate the route ahead of time. And I know when I worked at county, we had field guys that were restricted from going to certain areas. Like they couldn't go within a, a mile of a gentleman's club or something like that, right? So they could actually, someone could say, oh, no, no, no. We're going to adjust this route around this neighborhood for you. <laughs> geofencing, right? Just some like ad hoc yeah, geofencing yeah. that they could do. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So I could apply bloom to my route. You can, you can. Oh, that's, yep. that's my favorite. <laughs> all right richie so um is there anything any, any other plans for the route layer anything you can drop for that in the future or um something we just added which will be available in the next release for this is for directions sorry for directions is that we added the ability to set the units so currently ah. everything's in kilometers and minutes i believe which is a little bit unusual because some some areas may want miles or they may want feet so now we have a have a setting you can say metric versus imper- imperial and that setting will be automatically um defined based on your your, your portal so most of oh, us okay. customers who are connected to the portal they'll it'll automatically show up as miles feet and feet and also um yeah for for metric customers it'll be uh, kilometers meters and even down to centimeters that's nice. That's pretty cool. I'm sure that a lot of users are going to uh, be uh, looking forward to that one. That's neat. <laughs> yes, yes. And also to the time, that is, uh, it'll show you in seconds, minutes, and hours rather than just everything in minutes, which, you know, if you have a very short travel segment, it'll give you uh, give you that time in seconds, not just in a point zero one minutes. And the, the route layer and all of its information can also be saved as part of a web map. Is that right? That's correct. So the route layer can be persisted in or saved as part of a web map, but it can also be saved independently as a portal item. Okay. Nice. That's cool. 
and that and that pulled item can be referenced inside a web map as well. So it's a little <laughs> bit unusual, but that is possible. Actually, most people do that because they want to maybe have multiple web maps referencing the same route layer. Okay. That's cool. I see the usefulness in that. Pretty much cover all the bases there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> awesome, Richie. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, but I do want to ask if you've got any uh, tips or any tricks for listeners, anything at all that you want to throw out there. Um, one tip would be for the people that are using directions right now, uh, the best to adopt the new um, approach where you explicitly create and assign the route layer. Um, and add that route layer to the map. The, the reason for that is because we're building a lot of smartness or intelligence into the route layer. So it's best that you add that, you create it yourself, and you add it to the map, and then associate it with the directions widget, which is very similar to like how Sketch works okay. with the uh, graphics layers. So then let the, let the widget uh, feed the information to the route layer you've given it, and then you've got your route layer set up the way it needs to be set up and everything. That's correct. And awesome. that gives you some added benefits. You could use the directions widget to actually indirectly modify multiple route layers. So oh. you can switch between them. That's cool. I didn't think about that. That's a nice feature. Wow. <laughs> awesome, Richie. Well, thank you very much, Richie. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for your time. And you have yourself a great day. Very good. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Bounty Box today. Please subscribe for more content.